Hello, welcome back to the podcast. We began a new series this last week on the Gospel of Mark. I did a little bit of an introduction. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, I recommend going back and looking at the structure of Mark and, and the context of which Mark is writing. Um, this week, we begin on Wednesday with uh, Ash Wednesday. The readings are Mark chapter 1, 1 through 20, and then Thursday is 1, 21 through 45, and then Friday is chapter 2, 1 through 17. That is preparing us for this Sunday. Uh, you can find our readings uh, at notachurch.com slash step. It's the first thing you'll see on that page. Uh, just click the picture and it'll give you our reading schedule for the season of Lent that we're doing as a church. Um, so we're going to be in these three readings this week and then we'll, be, we'll have about five readings uh, for the weeks to come. Uh, and all these are to kind of prepare you for uh, what to expect coming up on Sunday as, as you look at uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus, to, to be a true disciple. That's what we're focusing on through the season of Lent. And so I want to do this introduction um, to this section, this kind of overview, uh, by starting with a little bit of an analogy. I want you to imagine that you wake up one morning, there's a full page ad uh, in the in the newspaper, you remember newspapers that people used to take out ads. So, or you might want to imagine turning on your TV and there's an advertisement or a commercial going on there. Uh, or, you know, you open up your phone and every app you open has an ad on it. And it's the same ad. Uh, it's an announcement of a new political candidate uh, that's going to run for president. You've seen these before, but but this one catches your eye. Uh, the messaging is kind of punchy. Uh, it brings together seemingly unrelated history in a way that is compelling. Uh, and finally, the, the color schemes are a little bit different. They lack the red, white, and blue, uh, though there are clear references to America's core history. This seems to be a new kind of candidate indeed. When you open up the first page of the Gospel of Mark, John the Baptizer is kind of like this advertisement. Uh, he's he's the one out in the wilderness. Uh, he's doing something different. His from the his hair to what he's wearing to what he's eating, all kind of points to hey something new's coming, and he's really drawing attention to his message and he's connecting Israel with their past. Uh, while pointing them to something new entirely. The, the fact that he's at the Jordan River in the wilderness is pointing to the history of Israel and where, where they came from. But he's pointing to the future and to something new. He leans uh, on two different images in the First Testament. The two images are God's presence will return to his temple. This is the expectation that the, the temple has been rebuilt but it's not complete because the temple is only the temple in, in as far as God's presence is in it. The other image that he's leaning on is the Messiah, the king, will come and lead his people. And so this is the expectation that the people of Israel had. God would return to his temple and the king would sit on his throne uh, and lead the people. And John the baptizer presents these two images as one person, the person Jesus, who will come and baptize them with the Holy Spirit. 
And he calls his hearers to be prepared for this coming, this this preparation. This is a time of renewal in the same way that you would tidy up your house if you knew important guests were coming. John is calling everyone to tidy up their lives because God is coming to reclaim his throne. What kind of citizens will the king find when he returns? This message is intended for all of us as well. Jesus is coming. What kind of followers will he find when he arrives? And so John the baptizer is is calling us to prepare for the coming of the king, the Messiah, God himself returning to his throne. And so John sets the scene for Jesus to begin his ministry. And the, the first Uh, The first words out of Jesus' mouth as he proclaims the good news is the kingdom has come near. The opening message about the good news proclaimed by Jesus himself is news of the kingdom coming near. When we limit the gospel to what happens to our souls when we die, we look too narrowly at the gospel message and miss the depths of the good news Jesus brought. Uh, so often we've, we've limited the gospel to, to hell insurance, to get us out of hell when we die. But the good news is active and the, the kingdom has come near. And so what does it look like to be citizens of that kingdom while living in this kingdom? God is reclaiming his rightful place as king and bringing his presence back to his people. And the season of Lent invites us into this tension of being part of a kingdom that is coming and has already arrived but is not fully here, while living amongst the kingdoms and nations of a world that has rejected God as king. And so what does it look like to be citizens of God's kingdom while being Americans? What does it look like to be citizens of God's kingdom while being citizens of a broken creation? And this is what what Mark is going to have us wrestle with. When Jesus comes back, what kind of citizens of the kingdom will he find? And the season of Lent invites us into this tension that that you, you begin Lent with Ash Wednesday reminding you that you're part of a broken creation, but you're looking forward to Easter, the ushering in of the kingdom of God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so we are people who live in the already but not yet. We, we look forward to a kingdom coming that has already been made known. And our kingdom citizenship is beyond where we are right now. And there's a kingdom that will last forever that we invest in. So in the opening readings for this week, we see Jesus speak on his own authority. We see him confront the cowering dark forces in the world. He dines with tax collectors and sinners, and he clashes with religious leaders. Returning to the opening analogy uh, about the politician, the media and the political rivals would quickly be digging for dirt on, on this new candidate. Who's he spending time with? Where is he from? What, how does he speak? We see the same thing with Jesus. He is already on the scene as a person of interest and being evaluated based on who he spends time with.
Uh, when questioned about his association, Jesus replies, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And a, to use a different analogy that, that Jesus is using is you might, you might find a doctor who wants to make himself look good by filling his hospital with well people. But a doctor who wants to truly help people fills her hospital with sick people. Uh, to take this analogy further, she doesn't leave them sick. A, a good doctor brings healing, and healing is always a journey. So Jesus meets people in their dirt, in their sin. He meets them in their sickness and invites them to follow him. He doesn't begin with how they need to change or how they need to get better, though sometimes that conversation is needed. Uh, he invites them to follow him because the journey is salvation. The journey is transformation. The journey is where healing happens. So Jesus invites us to walk with him. He invites us to, to follow him, to, to pick up our cross and live as he lived and to die as he died. And that in walking with Jesus, uh, we will see transformation in our lives. We will see areas of our life that were sick become well. We'll see areas of our life that were dead become healthy, become alive again. And so you have to ask these questions um, as you follow Jesus. Are you able to articulate to others what parts of your life are healthier because of walking with Jesus? Because if you're going to invite others to follow Jesus, you have to clearly be able to show them where following Jesus has mattered in your life. So we've got to get comfortable with sharing our story of transformation that because of my time with Jesus, I am a person who is filled with more love. I am more patient because of my walk with Jesus. I have more joy. I, I am kind. I, you, know, you look at the fruit of the Spirit and you see these things come out in your life. And so, you know, I used to be a more bitter person, but now I have more compassion and kindness. And I can, I can see where Jesus has transformed my life in those ways. I, I used to be a person who is judgmental, but now I'm a person of compassion. Can you articulate that in your life? Uh, here's some other questions for reflection as you go back and you read through these sections. Um, who do you see Jesus spending time with? Uh, how do they respond to him? And... Who would Jesus spend time with today that would turn heads and raise questions? Who do you associate with that causes others to raise questions? This is one of the hard things about following Jesus. Is We often will say in the Christian life that we need to be surrounded by Christian friends because it's our friendships that are going to transform us into who we need to be. But what we see Jesus doing is uh, he has a, a strong balance of, of spending time with God and then going to the people who need him the most. And so in, in, our, in our life, we do need Christian friends. We need friends that are going to help us become more like Jesus. But, but how do you have uh, relationships with those in the world that's going to invite them to walk with Jesus 
because they're simply walking alongside you as well. And when you have those relationships, are there people who take notice? We're called to meet people where they are and invite them to walk with Jesus. But first, we have to be able to, we have to have a very visible walk with Jesus that demonstrates the transformative power of walking with him. Are you willing to submit to the king and be part of his kingdom and walk in the ways of the kingdom of God? That's the question we have to wrestle with.